You're listening to The Thriving Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Sanchez, and this is episode 163. Does life coaching make you a pushover? Did you know your nursing dream job is out there? But it's not something you find. It's something you create. And I can show you how. I'm Abby Sanchez, and I'm a life coach for nurses. Using my experience at the bedside, along with my psychology degree, I help nurses build confidence, manage overwhelm, and fall in love or back in love with being a nurse. So come along with me, and I'll help you create the career and life you crave. You ready? Let's go. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to talk to you guys today, and I want you to know that this podcast is made possible by Netflix. <laughs> I'm so grateful for TV because with it being summertime, it would be a lot harder to have a quiet moment, especially during the day. I get quiet moments at night in the evenings after my kids go to bed that I could do the podcast, but I feel like I have more energy during the day and my mind is sharper. And so that's when I prefer to record podcast episodes. And TV makes that possible because my daughter can just hang out and watch Coco Melon or whatever she chooses to watch. And it's a beautiful thing. So I know a lot of you guys, your kids are home for the summer and you might be feeling like they're watching too much TV, feeling some mom guilt, feeling bad about it. And while it's okay if you are like, you know, I want to have my kids watching TV less. I want to offer other activities. I just want you to know that you could instead just choose to feel super grateful for TV. That's what I choose. I'm like, I love TV. I'm so grateful for it. Sometimes I'm like, you know, we should do something else. Let's find some other activities. But for the most part, I'm just like, thank you, TV. I love you. It was invented for moms, <laughs> for our sanity. So thank you, Netflix, for making this podcast possible. All right. Well, today we're going to be talking about a topic that I think is really interesting. I think this comes up as kind of a misconception with coaching that gets brought up a lot. And that is if coaching makes you a pushover. Have you ever thought that before? I don't know if maybe when you've heard me talking on the podcast about, you know, choosing more peaceful options and feeling more love and compassion, if it's like, okay, that's all great, but it sounds like you're kind of encouraging us to be pushovers, to not stand up for injustices or to advocate for ourselves or for our families or to speak up when we see things that shouldn't be happening. And I want you to know that that is not the case at all. So today we're going to talk about why I don't think life coaching makes you a pushover. I think it actually does the exact opposite. I think it makes you more courageous. I think it makes you more effective and also more peaceful and loving. And I've got a few stories to tell you about that happened just this week that really brought this to the forefront of my mind. I talked about one of them in our Bold Nurse Society class for the month. Our class is called Bad Behavior Blues. So I'm helping you guys if you feel like people around you have bad behavior, quote unquote. So maybe your patients have some difficult behaviors or your partner, you're feeling like, they're just not showing up how they should. I don't approve of this behavior. It's bad behavior. So in our class, I 
talk about, you know, how to overcome that. And I shared one of these stories with you guys, but I had several experiences this week, which was not the norm for me with some confrontations, some uncomfortable conversations. And it just made me really realize, no, life coaching does not make you a pushover. And I want to help you guys see that today, how it can help you advocate for change, show yourself respect, stand up for things that you believe in from a more calm and peaceful, loving place. Okay. So as we get into this, I want to say like, I see where people are coming from when they say it makes you a pushover, because I think what we're basing that off of is what are the actions you're taking? And the actions of a pushover and the actions of a very calm, loving, confident person could actually look pretty similar on the outside. Like if someone confronts you and you just say, I'm sorry, you feel that way, or I'm so sorry, and walk away, then that could be coming from, quote unquote, being a pushover, right? So maybe feeling insecure self-doubt, feeling lack of respect for yourself, lack of confidence. That's usually what's driving us when we talk about being a pushover is like not standing up for something that you think is important. And often it's driven by those emotions like insecurity, self-doubt, and feeling scared or afraid. So you could be doing it from those emotions or you could say, oh, I'm so sorry and walk away and not have a confrontation with someone. And it could be driven by completely different emotions. It could be coming from compassion or understanding or confidence. But in those cases, I would say that's not being a pushover. That's actually making an intentional choice about how you want to show up in the situation. So even though it looks the same on the outside, it's a completely different experience for you internally. And you're probably going to like your reasons a lot better when you're coming from confidence and compassion and love than when you're driven by insecurity and fear. Okay, so that's why I think people get confused with it because sometimes the actions could look the same. But what's happening on the inside is totally different. And I think we feel differently about it afterwards. If it's from insecurity and fear, then a lot of times we feel bad about ourselves. We feel disappointed in ourselves. We don't like the consequences that come from that. Maybe people continue to mistreat us. But when it's coming from confidence and love and compassion, then usually we feel proud of ourselves. We feel in control. We feel calm and loving. And that feels so much better. Okay, so I want to talk about why I think life coaching, for me personally at least, has helped me advocate for things that I think are important. And I kind of boiled it down to four C's. And we're going to go through each of these C's, these words that start with C. And I'm going to explain how that looks and how coaching has helped me develop in that area. And I bet you'll see it in your life too and can continue developing those parts of you so you can advocate for change and stand up for yourself and have that self-respect and be coming from a loving place. All right. It's going to be good stuff. And it'll apply to things with your patients. It'll apply to your relationships with your family and your partner and your neighbors and people at the grocery store. And I'll share my stories with you guys too, but it applies to all different situations. And I'm excited to share it with you. 
All right, so let's get into it. Our first C is that through life coaching, I have developed more curiosity. So what I used to do, what most of us do, before I realized that I was in charge of my thoughts, that our thoughts are optional, I would just go with whatever my brain offered me. So when I was in uncomfortable situations or I thought people were misbehaving or doing things that I disapproved of, my brain would offer me reasons. So when I didn't approve of the staffing plan on my unit, or I didn't like how my patient was behaving, or I noticed that my house was a mess and I thought my husband should be doing things differently. My brain would offer me reasons for why people were behaving the way they were and why my life was looking the way it was. And a lot of times those reasons, those default reasons my brain would just offer me weren't very kind or compassionate. Like I would think the reason staffing is the way it is is because administration is out of touch with what's going on at the bedside and they're stingy. They don't appreciate us. They're trying to squeeze every drop of work out of us that they can for the lowest amount of money possible. Like that was just what my brain offered me on default. But through coaching and realizing that I'm in charge of my thoughts and my thoughts are optional, I've been able to choose more curiosity. So I start to ask myself, what could be another reason? I wonder what's going on for this person. I wonder what's going on in this situation. I wonder what I'm not seeing, what I don't understand. I wonder what conversations were had that led to these decisions. Like I just opened myself up to be more curious. And when I'm curious, instead of thinking I know the answers and just taking whatever my brain offers me, then I'm able to access more openness and more compassion, less anger and frustration. Okay, so one of the situations I had just the other day, I was working, and before I even went into one of my patient's rooms, the CNA came over to me and said, you know, this patient just told off the respiratory therapist, they're really angry, they're wanting to leave AMA, just wanted you to know so you can be prepared for when you go in the room. And what my brain used to do was just take whatever was offered to me. I'd be like, oh my gosh, this patient must be ridiculous. This patient must be unreasonable. This patient must be difficult and unappreciative. And so I would go in thinking I knew so much about this patient already. And I'd be feeling that frustration and anger. And I didn't even realize that those were just thoughts my brain was offering me that I didn't have to believe. But now what I do is I intentionally choose curiosity. So when the CNA came and told me what was going on with this patient, instead of jumping to all these conclusions about this patient's character and who they were and what was going on for them, I just let myself wonder. I was like, I wonder what's going on with her. I wonder why she was upset with the respiratory therapist. I wonder what's going on with her care. I wonder what she's thinking about. And I didn't try to answer those things. It just created this openness in me that I was like, all right, I'm going to go into this room and I'm just going to wonder. I'm going to ask questions and listen. That's what curiosity helps us do. It, it drives us to want to gather more information. So yeah, we might ask some questions, but then we just want to listen because we want to understand better. And so I don't think that makes you a pushover at all. I think that makes you 
someone who can make informed decisions based on more information. We can understand each other better. We can grow and evolve and understand different perspectives that we wouldn't have even considered if we thought we already knew. And so I love that life coaching has helped me open up more and be able to learn and grow from hearing other people's perspectives and have more curiosity and less judgment. Okay, so that's number one. The second thing, I think curiosity often leads to this, is more compassion. Because as we listen to other people, listen to their experience, listen to their fears, then we can see where they're coming from a little bit more. We can have more compassion, right? We're like, oh, this is what they're afraid of. I'm afraid of a lot of things too. I don't like feeling those emotions either. This is what they're feeling and it must be so uncomfortable. So like with this patient, I was like, oh, Yeah, she feels powerless. She feels really concerned about things going on in her life outside of the hospital. She feels really trapped and alone. I'd be frustrated too. And I want you to know that curiosity and compassion don't mean we excuse the behavior and don't hold people accountable, but it gives us a different energy as we approach the situation. So for instance, with this patient, I did a lot of listening I asked some questions and then just listened. I did some education, but I did say, I totally get why you're feeling this way. It makes perfect sense. I'm sorry you're feeling that way. It must feel terrible. But also our respiratory therapist was coming in here to try to help you. That's our goal. And it's the same as your goal. We all want to help you. And we might have different ideas about how to do it. But even when we disagree, I would ask that you treat us all with respect And we're going to treat you with respect too. So if that happens again, this is what we're going to do. And so I talked about those behavioral expectations and contacting security if we needed to. But I also was coming from a place of compassion. It wasn't, I need to control you. You're being unreasonable. It was, it makes sense. But also, we expect respect. And if you're not going to treat us with respect, this is what we're going to do. So we don't have to be angry to set boundaries. We don't have to be angry to stand up for ourselves and to have expectations and make requests of people. And it it might not always be the case that they're receptive to it, but in the case with this patient, she was very receptive to that. And I think it's more often the case that people are receptive to it when we're coming from love and compassion than when we're coming from anger and trying to control them and being judgmental. I found that to be the case with me. I find it much more effective with my patients, with my children, with all kinds of situations. That seems to work better for me. The third C is confidence. Now, I think sometimes people think confidence means like knowing you'll do things right and feeling really secure in that you're not going to mess things up or you're doing a good job. That's not how I define confidence. So one of the ways I look at confidence is knowing that you're half amazing and half a mess and you love yourself anyway. You know that you're valuable. You're 100% valuable even though you're really great at some things and really terrible at other things. 
And for me, that's where a lot of confidence comes from because then when things come up that show my imperfections, I don't have to freak out and wonder if I'm valuable or not. Instead, I know I am doing the best that I can. And sometimes my best isn't very good. I definitely have room for improvement. And so that has helped me in situations where I'm being confronted about something or people are pointing out my flaws or things aren't going the way that I hoped. Then I still know that I am valuable. So going back to this example of my patient over the weekend, when this patient was upset, I didn't make it mean something about me. I didn't make it mean that I was a terrible nurse or that I'm not a good person. They were really frustrated and I knew that has nothing to do with me. And so I was able to not take it personally, not get defensive because I know that other people's emotions tell us something about them and their experience and what they're thinking. It doesn't reflect anything about us personally and certainly not our value. But also, I was open to hearing, are there things we could do differently? Is there a way I could approach this differently that you would prefer and you'd feel more comfortable with and feel more heard? So I didn't assume that I was already doing things perfectly, but I was like, you know what? I feel good about what I've offered this patient, the education I've offered them, the way I've approached things. Definitely not perfect, but doing my best. And then when this patient eventually did leave AMA, again, I knew This has nothing to do with me. So I didn't take it personally and was able to feel more grounded and in control because I wasn't spinning out in my own insecurity and self-doubt. Okay, so let me tell you about another experience I had this week. And this is the one I mentioned to my Bold Nurse Society members. But I was at the grocery store and long story short, my two-year-old Eli was throwing a bit of a tantrum having a hard time. And so he was in the cart being quite noisy, screaming, crying, trying to kick the groceries. I had to like move the eggs and bananas and everything out of the way being like, all right, I hope he doesn't crush everything. But he was having a hard time. And as we're going through the store, this woman comes around the corner and looks at me and says, it's a shame we all have to listen to this. And I you know, told her, I'm so sorry, you know, he's two years old. And she went on to tell me, you know, I have kids and grandkids and none of them would have ever behaved this way at two years old. And she walked away. Now, in this moment, there were people there to validate me. There was, you know, one of the people who worked at the store who said, you know, I'm so sorry that she treated you that way. Another woman came up to me and said, you know, I have kids and grandkids too, and this is totally normal. You're doing a great job. I'm so sorry that she said all that to you. And while that was so nice of them to offer me that reassurance and that compassion and kindness, really, I wasn't offended by this woman's opinion because I have developed confidence in myself as a parent. And remember, that confidence doesn't come from thinking I'm doing everything perfectly. It's from knowing I have a lot of strengths, I do a lot of things well, but also sometimes I don't do the best. Maybe I could have handled the situation with my son differently and calmed him down. I don't know. But what I do know is that I do a really good job sometimes, and I'm learning and growing and trying to do my best, and 
I'm not going to make everybody happy all the time. Some people at the store are going to think, you know, she should have just given him a phone or an iPad or something or some treats and he would have calmed down. And other people are going to think, no, she shouldn't have done that because if she did that, then she's spoiling him and whatever. Who knows? Like everyone's going to have their own opinions, right? And so if we're living our lives trying to make everybody happy and control what they think of us, and if they don't approve of us, we make that mean something terrible about ourselves, then it's going to be really scary when people have opinions of us that don't approve of us. But because I have developed that confidence, then I know it's okay for her to disapprove of me. It's okay for people in the store to judge me. And knowing that I'm not perfect allows me to not get defensive. I'm like, you know what? She could be right in some ways. And also, I love me anyway, and I'm doing the best that I can. So when we feel that way, when we feel that confidence in ourselves, then sometimes we don't react to people, right? And sometimes people think, oh, that's being a pushover. That's not standing up for yourself. But I just want you to think about this for a second. Which is more powerful? A lot of times if we're saying we're being a pushover, then we're like, we're not being powerful. But which is more powerful? To let other people and their opinions determine how you feel about yourself? Or is it more powerful to decide how you feel about yourself and let other people have whatever opinions they want? And not need to control their opinions of you. To be able to love yourself, even if other people have judgments of you. To me, it's so much more powerful to just know I love me anyway. I know my value. I know my worth. I don't need everyone else to see it. And so when that is grounding us, when that's at our core and at our foundation, sometimes we don't have to talk to other people about it. We don't have to try to convince them of our perspective. We don't have to defend ourselves because we know that we don't need to convince them to love ourselves. Okay. But I want to tell you what happened next in this story. So as I was walking around the store, I was thinking about that encounter I just had. And I was thinking, you know what? In that moment, I really didn't have a chance to say some things to her that I think are valuable and important. Right? Like I had a screaming toddler and she kind of just walked by really quickly and made those comments and kept walking. So I was like, you know what? I would really like to have a conversation with her and tell her some things that are on my mind. And so I was looking around the store and I saw her at the self-checkout and I went up behind her and said, excuse me, ma'am. But I went on to just explain to her You know, it sounds like she has a lot of really valuable experience as a mom and grandma. And so since she has so much experience and knowledge, it would be great if when she sees a mom struggling, instead of making a comment that could be considered shaming or judgmental, to instead support them and to offer her experience and wisdom with kindness Now, in my mind, the conversation went really well, but I want to tell you, it's not because of what we typically think is indication of a conversation going well. Usually we think, okay, it went well if she apologized, if she agreed with me, if she felt bad for what she did and saw it my way, then we're like, okay, that was an effective conversation. 
But that's not what I use to judge if a conversation went well, because then I have to control the other person to feel good about it. Instead, in my mind, what I'm thinking is a successful conversation is, did I show up as who I want to be? Did I share what I was thinking? Did I say it in a way that I feel was respectful? And did I keep the ownership for my experience? And I can say that that is what happened. I felt good about how I showed up. And I will say, though, I didn't feel perfect and loving and peaceful the whole time. But I wasn't at the effect of my emotions. I wasn't reacting to my frustration or anger that I was holding. Part of me was feeling that way. And I think that's normal that in uncomfortable conversation, sometimes those types of emotions are going to come up. But the difference was I wasn't at the effect of them. I wasn't reacting to them. And I kept the ownership over my emotions. I knew that I was the one creating them. So what this conversation showed me was I feel confident enough to go and have an uncomfortable conversation and say something that I think is important and that I think is valid. And the thing is, as I've developed this confidence through coaching, it's helped me be okay with being uncomfortable. That's another part of how I define confidence is being willing to experience any emotion And so sometimes when we have conversations with people where we're making a request of them or we're asking them to change or we're pointing out something that we didn't agree with or find helpful or we're advocating for change at our hospital or on our unit, then it can be uncomfortable. We're not always going to feel peaceful and lovely as we have those conversations and interactions. But With confidence, we're willing to feel any emotion. And that comes from trusting yourself. Like I trust myself that I can feel uncomfortable and I'll take care of myself through it. I can feel awkward. Or if this person says something that's kind of calling me out or disagreeing with me and and I don't feel good, that's okay. I can let myself feel those emotions. I'll take care of myself through them. So... As we develop that confidence, we may decide to not confront people. We may decide to not have those conversations because we just feel good about ourselves and our own value and our worth, and we don't need the other person to see it. But other times we might decide, I think this is important. My opinions are valid. My feelings are valid. And I want to go share this even though it's uncomfortable for me. But it takes confidence to do that. All right, then our third, no, sorry, fourth, our fourth C, our final C is that coaching has given me control. A lot of times when people are having confrontations and they get really heated and animated and we think, oh, they're being so strong. To me, those situations don't seem very empowering because the person is not in control of their emotions and their experience. The reason they're so angry and heated and trying to convince other people to change is because they think the other person is creating their experience, right? Like if I thought that this woman at the grocery store was making me feel bad about myself as a mom, then it would be really important for me to convince her that I was a good mom and that she shouldn't have said that and, and have her 
change. And so I might be a lot more pushy because I feel powerless. And so we're grasping, trying to get control back when we're behaving that way. But when we realize that we are the creator of our experience, then even if we feel some uncomfortable emotions, like I said, I felt some frustration and judgment and a little bit of anger in that situation. But even though I felt those emotions, I knew that I was the one creating it. That she wasn't. That her comment didn't make me feel anything. It was my thoughts. And some of those thoughts maybe I wanted to keep. And others, I was like, later on, was like, you know what? This thought is not serving me. This isn't helpful. I want to let this go. But I knew that I was the creator of my experience the whole time. When I was thinking, she's so judgmental. That was not helpful at all. That was really petty and cruel. She's so immature. Right? Like all these thoughts my brain was offering me, that's what was making me feel how I did. Right? When I could have thought something like, yeah, it is a shame that you all have to listen to this. I get it. Like, I don't really like listening to it either. I could have chosen that thought, but in the moment I didn't. And that's okay, right? But I knew that my thoughts were creating my experience, so I didn't have to control her. And I find so much power in that because then we don't have to control other people, which is hard to do, right? I can't control all the people at the grocery store and what they say to me and what they do and what they think of me. I can't control my patients. And if they're angry and frustrated, I can't control everything at my hospital. Like certainly we can advocate and have the confidence to speak up for change, but no matter what, we are the creators of our experience. And when we realize that and we take that ownership for it, then we are the powerful ones in our lives. Like, yes, when we convince other people to change, that can feel kind of powerful. But we can't always do that. And I think the real power comes from not needing people to change. We can want them to change. We can make requests of them. But knowing that we get to create our experience no matter what. That's where real power lies, you guys. And that's what I have found through coaching. So I want you to know that for me, coaching leads to strength. It leads to more peace. It leads to a sense of calm and compassion and confidence and love and control. And it might look different from one day to the next, but when those emotions are fueling you more, then you're going to show up as the person you want to be. And that could mean being the person who stays quiet and walks away, or it could mean you're the person who has uncomfortable conversations and points out things that you would like to see change and advocates for new ways of doing things. But it all comes from that confidence and realizing that you have the control over your experience. So that's what I love about coaching. It is so empowering. And I love seeing you be empowered. I love seeing you show up with that confidence and control in your life. Not that false sense of control that comes from anger and being loud and demanding, but that true sense of control that comes from confidence 
and feeling secure in who we are. So I love seeing you step into your power and own all of it. It's so awesome to see. So keep up the good work, my friends. Have a beautiful week and I'll talk to you later. Take care.